What's up, everybody? Uh, it's been a long time. I, I hate saying that uh, when we uh, when we come back and start doing this all over again. Um, but uh, in, in case you haven't uh, noticed, uh, the name has changed um, from Full 90 Gooner to Straight Out of Islington, an Arsenal podcast. Uh, and I just I basically changed it because I really hated that that Full 90 Gooner name. I mean, to this day, I don't I, I have no idea why I use that name. It was just really stupid. Um, and I just I was so tired of that name. Um, but I wanted to get back into podcasting. I wanted to get back into talking about Arsenal and uh, not so much um, overcomplication in terms of uh, podcasting. So, you know, uh, I if, if you're still hanging around, I appreciate that. And I, I welcome you back uh, to listening because I, I want to continue this. I'm, I'm making this a goal, a priority for this season that I'm going to continue with it and, and go through with it. And, uh, and and bring you a, a podcast episode at least once a week uh, during the regular season. Uh, and the guys are game, so that makes it even a lot, a lot easier. Uh, but for right now, it's just, you know, it's off season. We're talking about transfers. We're talking about the club in general. Uh, so obviously not much has changed in, in, in the way of Arsenal. Um, so I welcome you guys back. Thank you very much. Uh, this is the former Full 90 Gooner podcast. It's now straight out of Islington. I hope you guys get that reference. Um and uh, to further talk about uh, a couple of things here that uh, that I've been looking at um, is Ryan. Ryan, welcome back, bro. It's been a while. Mario, uh, good to be back. Uh, thanks for you know the rebrand and and firing it back up. Uh, I missed talking about the Arsenal with you, and uh, you know uh, it, it is summer, so I think it's a good time to kind of reboot and and going fresh into the new season. Even though there's not a lot of uh, exciting things maybe to talk about right now but we can we can still be optimistic and hopeful going into the new year yeah it's it's always uh, it's always good to uh, sort of start fresh and um you, you know i i i just i felt like i needed that like i said i wanted to get back into podcasting and certainly talking about arsenal um, was a major factor, of course, and it's just it's fun. It's fun to talk to you guys. Of course, AJ and Elliot are still hanging around, um, but they're um, you know busy right now. It's uh, it's almost eleven o'clock Eastern time, so uh, Elliot uh, is uh, is MIA, and AJ is our correspondent in California as the Arsenal tour uh, is heading that way. I know Ryan, you're heading that way as well. Well, all, all three of us will be. Uh, oh, that's right, Elliot. Up, we'll be meeting up tomorrow. Uh, I'm I'm flying out tomorrow morning to LA. So is Elliot, and uh, we're going to link up in the afternoon down in uh, in Long Beach, and then head over to the stadium, which is in Carson, which is about ten minutes away. Um, Carson's about twenty five minutes, like south of LA. So uh, AJ's been down there, I think, since the weekend. So he's he's been taken in. Um, some of the other live podcasts. He's, I think he was tonight. He's at the uh, training session and like fan fest at the stadium. They got an open uh, training session. So um, yeah, we'll link up with AJ, uh, Elliot, and I, and then um, yeah, have a few jars uh, pre-match and you know uh, get to see the Arsenal live, even though it's preseason and it's gonna it'll be a mixed squad of, of youngsters and first teamers. But um, you know, it's it's really looking forward to seeing 
seeing the team in person, um, especially not having the ability to see them on a, on a regular basis, obviously being here in the States. So um, I think all things considered, it's going to be awesome to be around all the other Gooners and, and, and sing and, and uh, you know, even commiserate with, with the banter that is happening with the club right now. And uh, it'll be fun to come together and, uh, and, and share with everybody. So that, that'll be great. Yeah, I, I wish you guys nothing but the best, man. I wish I could have uh, headed down there as well. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, my brother's getting married uh, next weekend. So that's going to be taking up a lot of the time. So I wish you guys nothing but the best. And I hope you guys have fun down there. Um, so let's get right into the meat and bones of this thing. I mean, there's a couple of things that I really, really wanted to get your opinion on. Obviously, this whole petition thing that's going on. Um, I think I want to leave that for last and kind of go through some some really uh, other, like, I guess, transfer news related type of um, stuff. And I guess it, it all kind of coincides together um, with with how things are are panning out in the in the transfer window. So, um, I've I've been reading some articles here, and I can link those in the description of the podcast, so you guys can he- uh, read them as well. But I kind of wanted to get your sense on on, on certain things, um, Ryan, because you know obviously there's been a bunch of movement, uh, mostly exits uh, for Arsenal, and then um, obviously there's been a huge amount of um, team. Um, promotions uh, within and I think I've been reading it's kind of like the the theme of the season so far earlier on aside from uh, the relatively unknown Gabriel Martinelli Um, so according to this um, not so they need uh, Arsenal need a backup keeper not uh so the level of need is uh, one out of ten. Uh, deputy right back, that's a one out of ten. A left back, that's a three out of ten. A box to box midfielder is four out of ten. Uh, and a winger is five out of ten. Uh, and then um, a center back, which is like. 20 out of 10 so 10 meaning that it's a desperation type of thing um so i I was reading more on this um of course you know uh since peter check has left um david uh, david ospina has left bert leno obviously is going to be the number one to be carrying us through the season that leaves uh, emiliano martinez and matt macy so i guess we can start there um ryan um the the keeper situation do you do you think um, do you agree with the level of need is very low? I don't think there is a need. I think Mar- Martinez will be the, the backup to Leno. And then um, whether Macy stays on as a third keeper kind of doesn't matter because the third keeper bar, you know, long-term injury to Leno or Martinez um, kind of irrelevant, but uh, Macy's, I think he's already 23. Is he 20, 22, 23, 24 in that range. So he's not exactly young. So I wouldn't be surprised if he is either sold and we kind of promote a keeper from the under 23s up to the number three spot, which you don't really need to vote until, um, you know, again, League Cup, maybe Europa League or any injury. Um, so I think Martinez, who did very well on load at Reading last year, um, by all accounts, 
Uh, and he's, you know, he's been involved with the first team for a couple seasons. He's been farmed out on loan. So um, I think he's, I think he's perfect opportunity to, to fill in that spot that uh, has, has had the past few years. Um, you know, good age range, um, knows, knows the club um, on a probably pretty low wage. So we're not signing like a, a veteran keeper to uh to high wage to basically you know play 10 or 15 matches so i think it's a good fit and i don't think it's something we need to um, invest any money into considering our very paltry transfer budget to begin with so in 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 terms of the other things uh left back box-to-box midfielder obviously aaron ramsey leaving wingers um and uh center back um out out of all those positions like you know which ones are in dire need like you know deputy right back Hector Bellerin is is going to be missing for the first couple of games uh Steven Licksteiner obviously has left Carl Jenkinson is back uh Ainsley Mayton Niles uh proved himself uh last season I think in that position um are you are you worried uh, about this position right I mean ideally yes I think we need to it's it's tricky because right now you have Hector who's not going to be fully fit by all accounts to start the season so you're probably looking at Ainsley Maitland Isle starting there which which is fine um the problem is you know is he deputized enough to to be a starter for let's say the first two months of the season um what happens if he gets hurt suspended etc then you're you know what are we doing with Jenkinson he obviously started last night against Colorado alongside Callum Chambers um you know obviously I think they're looking to move him on but he also started uh deep into the season last year um a game in which we dropped points at home so uh it's one of those situations where it's hard to sign a um a right back who can come in and be first team quality and tell them basically, Hey, you're going to start for the first couple months of the season. But then once Hector comes back, you're going to, you're going to be a backup. So what do you, you know, what do you do there? Do you, do you pay a transfer fee? Do you pay wages to somebody who's, who's not going to be a starter that that's again, with a, a tight transfer budget, that's probably something the club is going to find an internal solution for, Um, you know, uh, I think you could probably get by with um, Maitland Niles. If Chambers stays, does he? You know, can he play some minutes there? Ideally, you wouldn't want him to. Um, he's not a right back. He's I'm not sure really what he is. He played defensive mid mostly for Fulham last year on loan, um, but we've seen him at right back for Arsenal and, and have him um, get torched on on many occasions by by speedy wingers. So. Uh, again, it's not ideal, but I think that'll probably be a position we don't purchase just because of our, our lack of resources right now. So out of out of the other positions that are left, you know, left back, box to box midfielder, uh, wingers, um, you know, center back, you know, <laughs> center back is a huge one. I think, you know, especially with the kerfuffle that uh, Lauren Klischelny is in, yep. um, you know, you have um mustafi who's just you know 
he's a calamity. Um, he's a major problem. But then again, you have Rob Holding, Mavropanos, Socr- uh, you know, Socrates, Colin Chambers is back. Where we are in for William Sibylla, but uh, of course, we all know that uh, you know Tottenham came in and uh, are wanting to hijack that that position. Um, realistically, um. Do you do you agree with the severity that this article is talking about in terms of uh, what we need for positions? So if I, if I had to pick one position where, you know, if we say if a hypothetical is Arsenal have can only purchase one one position this summer, which, of course, is pretty ridiculous hypothetical. But again, considering our inability to buy players, it may not be that crazy. Um, I would say left back is the biggest position of need. And the reason I say that is, is, well, first of all, I think our biggest issue last year, well, there's many, many large issues, but for me, one of the biggest issues was Emery playing a back three because he felt that he didn't have enough cover with just two center backs and with, again, the injury to Hector, and the liability that is Kolasinac at left back, he couldn't play a traditional back four. So he felt like he had th- throws three center backs back there, and that would kind of make up for the lack of uh, defensive cover um, in those areas. And what it did, I think, is actually led us to be very predictable in attack, um, not control the tempo of games through the midfield, not be able to build through the middle of the field. We were heavily relying on those wide areas, those wing back positions, you know, to get crosses in. I felt like we were just a very one dimensional team, um, you know, in the, in the final third. And so I think the biggest thing, if we get a legitimate solid left back who can play in a back four, none of this, none of this fucking round with a back three and playing, you know, two midfielders and getting totally outran in midfield. And, and uh, I, I think that has to be the way forward. And so um, I'm a little concerned that, our only serious links has been with Kieran Tierney. Um, I, I, I do rate him as a player, but if, if Celtic are going to hold out and, and we can't come up with the money to pay, you know, we're, we're trying to play and in, pay in seven installments and, and 5% down now. And, and, you know, all these different clauses because we just don't have cash. I, I'm concerned there hasn't been other serious links with alternatives to Tierney. You know, uh, on the continent, I'm thinking in Bundesliga, in, in France, somebody that's not going to cost, you know, 25 to 35 million. Um, I think those players are out there. And I think um, so that's a little concerning, not seeing any serious backup links if this tyranny deal doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't happen. Um, so that being said, I, I think left back, if, if I think this is going to sound crazy, but if we really improved and upgraded our left back position, we changed nothing else, even with the outgoings, I think we could finish top four. Um, I just think switching to a back four, having a, a legitimate two-way player at the left back position. Uh, and that, and that player is not Kalasinash. Let's, let's not, you know, I, I, I don't want to say anything bad about him as a, as a guy, as a person, you know, he just got married this summer. Congrats to him. But he's an awful player. He's just he's simply not simply not good enough uh, at this level. Um, he came in last night at 75 minutes and immediately he was jogging back and there was a long ball directly over his head. And he was just like 
pointing at the keeper and the Colorado Rapids player, you know, skewed a, a shot wide, but I'm like, dear God, if I have to see more of this from him and, and that's, that's, that's been his MO since he's been an Arsenal player. So we, you know, if we could upgrade that position, play, get three midfielders on the pitch, uh, play to our strengths, build through the middle of the park, get Ozil involved more. I think that's really going to be the key to a more consistent uh, season. So uh, that being said, though, yes, yeah, center back is a huge need. Um, the problem is you, we can't, we're not in the position financially to just bring players in without moving players that are in that position out of the club, right? So Koscielny, Mustafi, um, Callum Chambers, uh, you know, these are all guys whose futures are, are very much, well, you know, up in the air. And uh, especially with Koscielny's bombshell of him not coming on the U.S. tour and him being unhappy with his situation at the club, uh, sure doesn't seem like that's going to be uh, resolved. And it's a good chance he, you know, probably doesn't play for Arsenal ever again. So, and the, the sad thing about that is what, say what you want about, you know, the behavior to do that. He, he was probably our best defender last year and he was playing on one probably semi-healthy Achilles and another one taped together with, with Elmer's glue. So um, that, that, that's obviously a serious concern, but we don't, we just don't have the resources. Uh, you mentioned William Saliba, the young Frenchman. Uh, even if that deal does go through, he's he's going to get loaned back to Saint Etienne for the year, so he's not even going to be in the picture for next year. So that's kind of a a, a moot point. Um, we're going to have to go into. I mean, we're going to go into the season probably, unless you know a deal for a probably a veteran center back comes through. We're probably going to start the season at Newcastle with like Socrates and Mustafi as their center backs, and then you've got Chambers coming back from a serious knee injury who, okay, the future is bright for him, but still got to prove himself, and he's coming back from an injury. So how much is he going to be able to play? How much are you going to be able to rely on him? Uh, Same can be said about Hector Bellerin. I mean, I know everyone – I'm, you know, again, him being injured and not having a legitimate left back, I think, hampered us more than any any position on the the field last year. you know, it's going to take a while for him to get back into full fitness, full form, confidence, all that. So uh, those those are serious areas where, um, you know, not a lot of answers have uh, come forth and presented themselves. And we've got, uh, what, basically three weeks before the season starts and, well, basically two weeks before the transfer window closes and forward right now. So big, big concern. So I'm just going to throw some names out here for you. And um, realistically, what are what are the chances? I mean, obviously, we've been heavily linked with Wilfred Zaha. Um, mm-hmm. We obviously with, uh, you know, the, you know, William Saliba um, and, uh, of course, Kieran Tierney. Uh, but then there's also been talks of uh, Nicolas Pepe, Yannick Carrasco, Ryan Frazier, Malcolm from from uh, Barcelona and Hakim Ziyech or Ziyech. Yeah, Ziyech. Jesus. <laughs> Mario, Mario's back. Mario, yeah, Mario's yeah. back with the names. I've been trying. Oh. I've been trying. Um, oh, realistically, I, I mean, a, a, any of these players, do you, do you see any sort of movement if we were to sign one or or two? Like, I mean, they're they're, they're saying there's only 
enough money for like 40 like 40 million or something like that but that's it's fat it's unfathomable it it really is hard hard to believe i mean when you look at teams like just you look at the transfer window in general like 30 million on aoz perez which is i mean okay good decent player but my goodness and apparently lewis dunk from brighton going to leicester for 45 million lewis dunk um i mean again good defender solid he'd probably be a good fit for arsenal maybe um but 45 million for a for a you know a defender who 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 sits with nine men behind the ball for 80 percent of the game that's that's just that's that's wild so um again we, the, you've heard from the club the club hierarchy uh, raul um um, talking about outsmarting the market, right? So outsmarting the market would not be entertaining 80 million pounds for Wilfred Zaha. That, that's clearly not a smart transaction because it, it's it's an obvious one. He's he's going to be overpriced because he's played in the Premier League. Um, you know, he's 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 a dribbler. Obviously, he's he's um, can create on the wings, and and you know you know what you're getting from him, but. Um, we have we have to we have to buy we have to buy players who are you know in the let's say 10 to 20 million range right now and they turn into the 50 60 70 million pound player in, in two three years time um that we have to be we, the reality is we're not we're not i mean yes we bought Aubameyang, we bought ozo we bought alexis but the, the, those days are, are done especially without champions league revenue right so we have to we have to become the the Dortmunds of of England. We have to become the Leons of England or the Leals of England. Um, the the red the RB Leipzigs of of England. We have to buy those players from other countries. We have to recognize the talent that they have, come into Arsenal, develop them, and that's how you build a young core. That's how you that's how you organically prop yourself back up into top four into potentially, you know, title challenging team two, three, four, five years out. Um, it's not going to be guys like Zaha. It's not going to be um, guys that are already well-known, especially in the league. And, you know, like Basaka goes to Manchester United for 50 million. He, he's played one year of Premier League football. Um, I mean, good young player, but 50 million for, for a right back. That's that's what you're dealing with when you're buying, you know, on the continent. So um, I think there are mechanisms in place now. I think for, for so many years, we've talked about the, the disarray at, at the boardroom level, who's actually, you know, making the decisions on transfers. It's been Wenger, it's been, you know, Dick Law, it's been, you know, who knows? Uh, so now we have a director of football with, with Edu coming in. We've got a, a, clear structure in place. So I think that, that that's a positive sign. That's, that's, I think, what most rational people have been calling for is, is a, you need a, a hierarchy to develop a vision and to implement that vision via player recruitment. So we've got that in place. Now, the problem is, of course, resources. Um, we just don't have them. Um, and we have even less of them because we fucked off and bottled the run-in on last season by not making top four. and that's what we're seeing is really coming back to haunt us is we just don't have the money to pay. I mean, all due respect to Celtic, we're, we're trying to haggle with, with them uh, 
for a player because we are trying to play pay in installments. Whereas if we, you know, previous years, we just would have paid the, you know, 25 million up front and said, thank you. And deal would have been done. Um, and that's what, that's what we're going to struggle with because um, our lack of commercial deals uh, to match, you know, teams that are comparable size and on, on the comparable playing field. Um, we, we lack there. We don't have Champions League football. And so we just simply can't pay both the transfer fees and wages necessary to recruit, you know, even. That's what's going to hamstring us for the next few years until, again, either we buy very smartly, uh, we buy players that are young, maybe semi-unproven right now, and they develop into very good players. And, and we, we grow organically like that, or we promote from within, which we have a, a lot of promising young talent uh, coming out of um, Arsenal Colney. And I think we need to do a bit of both. Um, we need to give those, those kids a chance and throw them into the deep end and, and say, okay, hey, you, you, you think you're deserving of a first team chance? Um, prove it here. You, you got the opportunity. You got the, you know, I'm not just talking about Reese Nelson playing at right wing back against Fate Borisov. I'm talking Reese Nelson starting on the left wing against, um, you know, Crystal Palace at home in the Premier League. I'm talking about Bukayo Saka playing in, in Premier League games and starting uh, on the front line in Europa League games. Um, because let's be honest, we're not we're not challenging for a title anytime soon, right? I think that's that's just a realistic expectation. So, how can we manufacture? with the resources we do have to get creep back into the champions league, try to stay there and, and stabilize and then build those piece by piece from there and, and try to move back up the hierarchy of the, of the league. But I mean, what does that say about like, you know, Arsenal, all these other clubs have evolved, even the smaller quote unquote clubs in the Premier League, you know, your Bournemouths, Wolves. I mean, Wolves bought, um, what's his face? Um, they, they, he was on loan and then they signed him. Oh my God, what's his name? The Spanish, Spanish. Anyway, he was, he was so good last season. Um, Are you talking to uh, Ruben Neves or? No, what's his name? Damn it. Hold on. Um, Amen. Jimenez? Yeah, yes, Jimenez. Uh, Mexican. Mexican, yeah. And and I mean, uh, all these, these, you know, quote-unquote, you know, not so, you know, like the lesser teams are spending so much money. They've evolved to, you know, the likes of like even, you know, Manchester City, Manchester United. Oh, Manchester United has always bought in players. You know, your Liverpools, your Tottenham's, you know, they spent so much money on, Mm -hmm. on that player. Why hasn't Arsenal? I mean, they, they've uh, clearly they're seeing all this. Why haven't they evolved like other teams? Well, I think I think we're starting to see the beginning of that evolution. I think again, for forever, um, you know, we haven't had a a clear hierarchy to manage or be in charge of the long term planning of the playing squad. Um, that was really, literally left down to, to Arsene Wenger uh, to both coach the teams, recruit the players, uh, negotiate contracts, 
you know, with a, with a little bit of help from from some some key personnel. But basically, the decisions were all down to him. Now we have a structure in place who's going to be that person to identify talent. We have Raul, who is going to be in place to, you know, negotiate contracts, talk to the higher ups of those clubs we're trying to buy players from. We have Vinay, who's going to be hopefully negotiating and um, cultivating better commercial deals. So we have more resources. Um, so that, that I think is a good sign. Uh, now that takes time. Um, everything's in place. It takes time for those efforts to, to bear fruit. Um, I mean, look at, look at, look at our outgoings, look at our, our contracts and, and you'll see why we, we are, we have basically shot ourselves in the foot. Um, when you let Aaron Ramsey go, who's a, even with a year left on his contract, is a 30 million pound player. Uh, we, we keep him for and play him for half a season, essentially. And he goes and leaves on free to Juventus. Um, you know, we, instead of selling Alexis Sanchez to Manchester City, we then swapped him with Henrik Mkhitaryan, paid him 180 grand a week. And so now his, his contract is hamstringing us. Um, we, you know, Mezzarozo runs his contract down. Instead of either selling him or letting him walk on a free, we decide to give in and give him 350K a week. Now, regardless of what you think of the player, that contract itself is so exorbitant that it is it is having a negative impact on recruiting other players in need because he because he makes so much money per week, right? You've got Carl Jenkinson who's been at the club for you know 15 years, it seems like. Um, and for some reason we haven't even even though we've known he hasn't been good enough basically since the day he stepped foot on you know at Colney. God bless Jenks. We love him. Um, yet he's gotten contract renewal after contract renewal. He's gone out, gone out alone. You can't sell these players because they make too much money because we're the only club who would have paid these caliber of players the high, the high wages that they're getting. You know, uh, Callum Chambers could have sold him for like 20 million last year, last summer. Instead, we sent him on loan again. And, he, and again, I, I don't think we need to see any more from Callum Chambers to know whether he's good enough or not. I, I simply don't think he is. Um, I think his level is probably low, lower level Premier League, and I think he showed that. So why did we not sell him at, for 20 million and actually make money off a player, make a profit off a player for once? We sent him on loan, which does no good to really his value or to Arsenal's uh, wage structure because now he's come back and hell, we might need him to play, um, but essentially, uh, seemingly, there's no there's no suitors for him even at this point. Maybe there is, but again, do do teams want to pay Callum Chambers the wages he's making at Arsenal? And 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 if you're Callum Chambers or Carl Jenkins for that matter, why do you want to leave um, and, and give up money, leave money on the table? I mean, you you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. Now they'll they'll leave when their contract's up, right? But that'll be another year of wasted wages and not recuperating any transfer fees to go into new and better players in those positions, right? Hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, um, that that's that's been the reason we that's all all of that stuff for years prior. Mm -hmm. It's all it's all come home to roost right now. 
as we're trying to, you know, reinforce and upgrade the squad. And we just don't have the flexibility or the financial firepower to go about that. I don't, I don't think it's an unwillingness by, you know, Emery or Kroenke even to, I mean, listen, all, I, I can criticize Kroenke for, for hours. We, we wouldn't have enough time for me to, to go off on him, but it's not <laughs> as if he, it's not as if we haven't bought players. I mean, you know, we, we bought Aubameyang for 70 plus million. We bought Lacazette for 50 plus million. Um, you know, we bought Jaka and Mustafi for 35 plus each. Um, now you can argue those some of those signings those are just straight up bad signings, and that and that's another that's another thing. You you have to be smart with who you bring in. Um, you can't you can't whiff on a on a player you're going to spend thirty million on and give them those wages. You just can't. And and we and we've done that. So it's it's been a culmination of mismanagement. I think lack of vision, lack of strategy, lack of future planning, and um, unfortunately, you can't just wave a magic wand and fix all of that, you know, over, over one summer period, it's going to take, now that we have the infrastructure in place, it's going to take a few years for that to hopefully function properly and, and have us build towards a better future. So is, is what the club is in right now, the state of the club, is this the real crisis? Like, you know, uh, a couple seasons back before Emery, you know, when Arsene Wenger was there, oh, he was poisoning the club and all this other crap. Um, and, you know, they were calling that the crisis. But is this like really now we're moving into the actual crisis where, you know, everything that you were just saying is is, is coming to a head? Um, I mean, depends how you look at it. I mean, you can look at it the opposite and say, OK, now that we've got a proper footballing infrastructure in place that the crisis is is past us right we have mechanisms in place to actually function like a top tier club should so that's you know if you want to look at it that way and be positive say hey okay the the all the mistakes i mean not all the mistakes there's still going to be you know some mistakes made and not every player you sign or contract you give out is going to be you know 100 home run but um those massive mistakes that we have made in the past should be should be done for um, that's one way to look at it, or you can look at it and say, okay, yeah, this is we're we're kind of stuck in a holding pattern, um, and until until some of these contracts are moved, either by selling the players or them running them down and getting until these until these contracts are off the books, um, we we are kind of stuck in a holding pattern. Um, now, with all that being said, the holding pattern we're in. Again, we finished one point off of fourth, and we finished that way because we couldn't beat teams like Crystal Palace, Brighton, Leicester, Wolves, Everton. Um, so again, I, I think I think you can look at that and say, okay, well, maybe just minor improvements, some you know infusion of, of young talent um, that changes our identity on the pitch a little bit is that enough to, to put us over the top and, and get back in top four, which would I think dramatically change, dramatically change the just outlook of the club. Obviously it changes the, the players you can, you can talk to and, and, and try to recruit. Um, and it just gives a lift to every, I think the supporters as well, you know, no, nobody, nobody wants to, you know, 
watch Arsenal play Bate Borisov on a Thursday night. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's just not, it's, it's I terrible. Mean, it, it sucks. And, and that's, that's the reality of it. Right. I mean, that's the, the dreaded, you know, for so many years we were, we were kind of mocked. And, and even as our, I think ourselves, we kind of mocked our own club, this uh, top four, top four. Yeah. 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 Like, I know it's boring. We get to the Champions League and we we get knocked out. I would. 16, wa- I want top four now. Yeah, of course, of course. So that, that's <laughs> the irony is like in, until until it's gone, you don't realize how how much of a luxury it is. But um, yeah, you know, again, all things considered, you got you got Manchester United who seemingly are are an absolute mess at the top of their hierarchy, um, and who may be paying eighty million pounds for Harry Maguire. And um, Pogba wants to leave, and Lukaku may be leaving. You got Chelsea, who are on a transfer ban, who just lost the best player in the Premier League, the Real Madrid, and they replaced him with an unproven uh, American Pusich. winger. <clears throat> so, you know, are we kind of a mess in a lot of areas? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Are we that far behind a top four spot, all that considered? I, I don't think we are. Um, and maybe it's just me being a complete idiot, but I'm kind of optimistic about our chances mm. depending on, again, depending, I, we still need to strengthen. And if we strengthen in one or two areas, I think that could be enough to, you know, give us an extra five or six points that I think is going to be necessary to, to get top four this year. Is, is, so you did mention, uh, Adu coming in as director, um, and and you said you 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 mentioned that that's um, kind of a good step in the right direction. Is he the man to be doing the dar- the directing? Well, I don't know much about it. Just so. I mean, whether whether or not he's going to exceed at the role, he he is the man. Uh, so uh, he's 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 the man who's who's been tasked to do exactly that. Um, I mean, yeah, we'll see. As he's. He do, he has experience in this role. He, okay, he I was going to ask you that. Yeah, yeah, he did it for Corinthians in Brazil. Um, he was the director of football with and Tiche. Sorry, any Brazilian listeners? I think I'm pronouncing his name. Tiche is the the Brazil head coach now. He was the coach at Corinthians with Edu as a director of football. They were struggling. Uh, their combined work, they brought him back up. Uh, to the top of the league. So uh, he's got experience of, of building a squad and kind of rejuvenating the squad. And then of course he went to Brazil with Tiche to be the technical director there. So national teams, obviously a little bit different. Um, you're not buying and selling players, but you are uh, recruiting players. You are contacting the young players in that talent pool. Um, and so obviously, and, and then, you know, Brazil just won the Copa America um, this uh a few weeks ago and then edu left so he left on a high note he's he's been successful in that position so i think in terms of you know somebody with some pedigree yes that that was that was the right guy to hire um obviously he's got he knows about arsenal he knows about the league um he's got you know he's played um all all over europe so yeah he'll have definitely some obviously strong contacts in south america especially in brazil um, so I think, I think if anything, you know, we'll, we'll, time will tell, but it's, I, I'm excited just to have somebody in that role and somebody who's, whose si- single job is to sculpt a, a vision for what the Arsenal 
playing staff is going to look like from senior squad to new squad. He's going to have, he's going to have, you know, a, a vision board, if you will, to say, okay, you know, these are the, these are the players we're looking at eight groups, you know, 15 to 17, 17 to 21, 21 to 26 and so on and so forth. So he's going to have that opportunity and that task to, to put together a team that is, you know, he, he knows what it takes for Arsenal to win the, the title. He's, he's been there and he's done that. So um, you've got a guy who's a football man, first, first and foremost, he, he's played, he's, he's, he's won things both as a player and as a technical director. So I think that's, that's really all you can ask for. Um, and again, he's going to be challenged with the performing all those duties successfully with a very limited pile of resources. So that's going to be interesting to see how he gets on, how he goes about that with the caveat of, you know, a limited transfer kitty. So I think we have to, we have to be cognizant of that when we're, you know, judging him um, after a few transfer windows. Yeah, I guess we shall see uh, where, where it goes uh, with the, with Edu. Um, no, thank you for that. Um, I guess sort of to finish uh, things off, I really wanted to speak to you about this um, uh, this petition. Uh, we care, do you? Um, it's it's huge. They they got um, what they have over ninety four thousand signatures signing. They want to get a hundred thousand. You have the likes of, according to this website. Uh, Ars blog. You have the uh, BSM, the Black Scarf Movement, the Arsenal Supporters Trust, Gunner blog, Gunner Holic, 7 a.m. kickoff, uh, Gunnerstown, Hugh Wizzy. I mean, big names uh, in in terms of the um, Arsenal fandom, uh, so to speak. Um, so I kind of want to give you my take on this thing, and then um, you can sort of. Uh, carve it up and, and tear it up and I know you <laughs> I, I know you have a few things that you wanted to say about it um, and, and like you said you can talk about Stan Kroenke for uh, hours and hours um, but I mean so from what I've been reading as well as seeing as well uh, according to what Josh Kroenke he says that uh, what what the Arsenal supporters are doing kind of hurts um, I'm pretty sure those billions of dollars he has in his pockets uh will console him but um in, in in terms of this uh petition i mean we've seen this before right a couple of years back when arson wenger was there they were still calling for stan Kroenke's head they were still calling for arson wenger's head they're talking about hey let's um let's not go to this let, let, let's 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 do a stadium walkout let's do let's not go to the game you know all this all this shit uh, that you see, uh, obviously, you know, Arsenal Fan TV, and you see it all all over the place. Um, but yet, the stadium is still full. There is no walkouts. There is none of that, that, that shit that they talk about, which I uh, absolutely hate. Now, what number one, my question to you is, why is this, why is this petition going to change that? Um, because I look at it as, is, you know, Stan Kroenke, he doesn't, we all know that he's a businessman. He doesn't really care about winning titles. He cares about, you know, how much revenue the club is making. Um, and according to um, a website where I saw the highest revenues for clubs last year, Arsenal were ninth, um, according to this article, dropping 
three points from sixth place. Um, they still made a hefty penny. I think it was like 600 million or something like that. So they are making profits still. Um, Stan Kroenke, like, I mean, obviously we don't know the guy, but you know, I don't think he gives a shit about this stuff, to be completely honest with you. I think he looks at this and he just doesn't care. He's not going to put money into the club. If he hasn't put money into the club, you know, since what? Since 2010. Um, and now that he's bought out uh, the rest of the remaining shares from the shareholders, he doesn't give a shit about it. I, I mean, am I wrong for saying that? Like, like, I don't know. What do you no, what, what I- do you think? I, I don't think you're wrong in, in the statement about Kroenke. I don't, I don't think Stan Kroenke is, is, you know, losing sleep at night because, um, you know, there was a contingent of Arsenal supporters who essentially are, are uh, in, in opposition of, of his performance as an owner. I mean, this, this is a man who literally took a team out of St. Louis and just literally moved them to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, yeah, his, his primary concern is not, you know, nostalgia and what his public opinion is from the fans, right? Um, no, I don't think anyone's under any illusions that he, that he does. Probably doesn't even know well, any history. No, no. He, <laughs> you know, he did, he did go to the Europa League final. Um, he barely sh- he's maybe shows up once a year uh, to, to watch an Arsenal game in person. So, yeah, listen, well, he is who he is. And I think to most extent, Josh, his son, and Josh even said this, he's an extension of his father. Um, now, Josh is, is obviously younger. He's probably more inclined to to have a rooting interest in the club. Um, uh, he's a former, uh, athlete, you know, Division One college basketball basketball player himself. So I think I think, you know, if there if there's some hope, Josh being a younger, younger generation, more, you know, inclined to to have a sporting interest in the club and not just be a, a you know look at it as a as a cash cow but um in terms of the uh, the letter that was written i think i think what's, what was different about this is in the past as you mentioned the other kind of protests other Wenger out or cronky out those, those were pretty individualistic and um kind of um vitriolic in a sense whereas this one is a more collective. It was obviously, um, you know, an organized, uh, a collective thought by by both individuals and groups. Uh, I, I think that's important um, that it wasn't, you know, we're not just seeing these different one-offs um, uh, of, you know, whether it's a blog post or whether it's a hashtag, whatever it is, the, mm-hmm. this is a, a collective coming together from a large swath of Arsenal support, both digital you know, uh, older season ticket holders, um, longstanding, you know, blogs, you know, whatever you think of, of that, uh, if they have any power or not, they, 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 they do in, in the sense that they are, they are a voice, they are a mouthpiece for Arsenal supporters because we, we read and we, we subscribe and, and we listen. So um, I, th- I think it, it, it does matter. And I think that the tone of the letter, I think mattered. It wasn't saying, you know, Cronky, get the fuck out of my club. You know, you've you've poisoned this club long enough. It wasn't a it wasn't a personal attack. It wasn't a vitriolic um, attack. It was a it was trying to remind the Cronkies of what Arsenal stands for, um, what the club values should be, and what what that how that should reflect both in the stadium and on the pitch. Um, so I think that now. 
I, I think that was important to have that tone. You know, um, I think that'll that'll do that'll go longer to resonate with them than something of more of an attacking or threatening uh, tone will. So I think that was smart to take that approach. Um, and I think, listen, like Josh Kroenke responded to that letter the next day. So to say now, say what you want about his response. It was kind of canned, you know, corporates, um, PR, you know, we're all in this together. Rah, rah. Of course, we want to win and we respect every all the fans and the traditions. And, OK, he, you know, of course, he's going to say that he's not going to come out and say, um, you know, make any large grandiose promises or also tell the fans to fuck off. But. Um, listen, the, the, that letter wanted to garnish a response and that's exactly what it did. Um, will anything change? Um, I mean, listen, it's easy to be pessimistic and say, well, probably not. Um, you know, Stan Kroenke's not going to have read the letter. I mean, he's probably not going to have read the letter at all, but even if he did, he's not going to read the letter and say, you know what? Uh, these fans are right. I, 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 I've not done, I've not been a good steward of this club. I haven't represented its values, both, both in culture and both and, and in on field performance, I'm going to uh, release my shares as owner and step down effective immediately. Obviously he's not going to do that. Um, so I, but I don't think that was the point of the letter it was to real. I mean, realistically it wasn't to get Cronky out, you know, based off, off that letter alone. Um, I think we realize in modern football, the days of a, a local, you know, uh, benefactor representing the club that he grew up loving and, and had season tickets as a kid and, you know, kind of being that tight knit, uh, you know, Arsenal community uh, owned club. I, I think those days are gone. There's, there's some people that, that are still clinging to that and I think that's how it should be and, and fair play. Um, the reality is it's, it's a modern game. Um, you know, just look at, look at the American tour as an example of that. Um, the support is global. The, the revenue is global, right? So you can't, you can't buy an Aubameyang without the support of global fans. It's just that simple, uh, global fans, global markets. So, um, yeah, I think we're, I mean, we're, are we stuck with Kroenke as an owner? Yeah. Until he, for whatever reasons, it's not profitable or or tenable for him which even though we've as you said we've dropped in revenue and we probably will continue as long as our our performances will continue to drop um he's still making money hand over fist right and um as long as that continues to happen i don't see a reason he would get out of the arsenal ownership game i love that thanks ryan i i appreciate that uh that your views on that um and i guess i pass along the question to you guys the listeners um let us know uh what what you thought uh, of this letter what are your thoughts on 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 this whole take um do you agree with ryan do you disagree with ryan do you agree with me do you disagree with me um and and everything else that we've talked about tonight um you know more so the the transfers who do you want to see what what realistic transfers can arsenal um, bring to the to the club. So uh, I pass those questions on to you. You guys hit us up. Um, you know, let us know 
uh, via Anchor, which is uh, where where I do, where obviously I host the podcast. Uh, send us voice notes if you don't have it. It's just an app. Just download it. Even if you just want to interact with us uh, from time to time, send it that way. Uh, Anchor.fm. You can find the podcast there uh, straight out of Islington. Uh, it is the same feed. Uh, so um, you, you can link us, link us through that. Um, also, you know, link on Twitter. It's the same Twitter account. I just changed the names and the art. Uh, and also sign up for the newsletter. And the newsletter, basically what that is, is it's just um, a way to let you know as soon as I upload the podcast. So that's uh, the website is is uh, it's there uh, on the Twitter uh, account um, bio. It's uh, bit.ly slash SOI pod. Um, so yeah, Sign up for that so you get to know when the when the latest podcast comes out. Um, Ryan, I'd like to uh, thank you so much uh, for coming on. I think we're gonna end it there. Uh, some some really good uh, some really good talk and feedback from you as as always. Um, I can always count on you to 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 be level headed and give us uh, some really good um, educated thoughts uh, as opposed to my hot headedness at times. And um, I, I really do appreciate uh, you coming on and. And and hopefully, I swear to God, I'm putting this like I'm make I'm like I'm I want to continue doing this week by week uh, when especially when the season comes on. Maybe uh, you know the one offs here for the summer, of course. Uh, maybe get your guys's take. Um, well, well, we get we can skip the Europa League. Uh post-match analysis yeah i don't think i don't think that those will be i mean we, we could talk about them but uh, i want to i definitely want to make them weekly even if we just talk about the matches and you know on the europa league ones Ugh. um you know we're going back to the europa league whatever third season hey maybe we'll actually win it and not bottle bottleneck it a, a bottle bottle it i mean uh against chelsea uh, all we had to do was win and we would have been in the champions league but uh but yeah no i Thank you, Ryan. As always, I appreciate um, uh, you coming on and speaking with me. And I hope this time actually works for you. Uh, yeah, no, it's my pleasure, man. It's good to be back. And uh, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have to do uh, an L.A. Arsenal trip recap um, next week once uh, once we get back. Yeah, I love that. I'll definitely, definitely be down to hear those uh, stories because I, I wish I was going down there with you guys. Um, but, uh, scheduling wise, it's just not feasible. Um, so, uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. Um, I hope that you guys are still sticking around with us and, 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 uh, while we were on uh, a bit of a break, I'd like to thank Ryan for coming back on the podcast. Uh, also shout outs to, uh, AJ and Elliot who could not be with us, but there are with us in spirit. <laughs> uh, so thank you very much everybody for listening. I, I appreciate it. And, uh, we'll speak to you guys, uh, uh next time. Cheers.